You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, welcome to our study on converting primary resources. We've been talking all this week about the importance of converting wisdom. Wisdom is the currency of God. It is not the U.S. dollar, the Chinese yen, the euro. Wisdom is God's currency. So when God wishes to give payment to people who have been generous toward Him or obedient toward Him, He rewards them with wisdom. And wisdom can be converted, has to be converted. You can't leave it in its raw form. You have to convert it. And when you act on wisdom, it may save you money. It may make you money. And when wisdom makes you money, it does not necessitate that you cheat anyone nor become greedy in any way. Wisdom is a blessing to both parties in every transaction. That's the blessing of God. Now I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now the Scripture makes it very clear that God had wisdom, and He used His wisdom to bring about the plan of redemption. The plan of redemption was hidden from both the natural rulers of this world and also from the spiritual forces who influenced them. And so wisdom is how God brings about victory. So I'll say it like this. There cannot be a victory without a strategy. David had a strategy in going down to fight against Goliath. He knew he was going to sling a stone into the forehead of the giant. He had slung stones like that hundreds of times before. He was an expert in slinging stones. He had proven the sling, and that's the reason that he took it with him. So David had operated in wisdom, and he had a strategy. He knew what he would do. When the giant fell, David instinctively ran to the giant. This was not the first time he'd thought of that. I believe that David had visualized this. He had seen it before he ever did it. And when the, when the giant fell, he ran right to him, and he probably knew that everybody in the field would be completely paralyzed with surprise at what David had done. There was a man standing near the giant who held his shield. He did nothing. He, can you imagine the shock that would have come over him when David knocked Goliath down? David was then able to pick up the sword and cut off the head of the giant. This again paralyzed the Philistines with fear, and it completely reversed what had been going on in the battlefield. Now, I want you to think about this. The Philistines contributed to their own fall because they banked everything on the success of one man, 
In other words, Goliath was their trump card. They had no other strategy other than to use Goliath to intimidate the Israelite army. And he did a good job of it. And they were poor in their response. There were things they could have done, should have done, but they didn't. There was no one on the Israeli side other than David who had a strategy. You cannot have a victory without a strategy. So what is your strategy? You need to understand your strategy if you're going to go into battle. God never gave victories to his people in any situation without first giving them a sequence of action steps. Even when King Jehoshaphat went down to battle and did not have to fight because God ambushed his enemies before he and his people ever got on the battlefield, God still gave them a strategy. And that strategy was they were to put the singers and the worshipers at the head of their army. And they did it, and it worked. So what I want you to see is that this is God's way. And it's something that Christ did in every miracle that he worked. He always had a strategy, a partnership, something that God would do, but something that people had to do first in obedience. So we're going to begin reading in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. I'm sorry, chapter 9, verse 12. And it says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we're in a deserted place here. They're in a desert. There is no place to get food. They are going to have to travel to the villages that are nearby in order to be fed. But Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. Now there was a reason that Jesus said this. What would you do if you had food? What's the first step that you would take if you had 5,000 people ready to eat? You would, number one, seat them to keep them from overrunning the supply, especially people that are hungry. He not only said, make them sit down. He said, make them sit down in groups of 50. And why is that? Because 50 was a manageable group. You can walk into a group of 50 people and very quickly determine who has been given fish, who has not been given fish. You can look later on as you are proceeding to another group and ask yourself, did we feed them? And you look just to that little circle of people. If you see one person chewing, you know, yes, we did it. We took care of them. So it it is efficient, it is orderly, and it's a step of faith because seating them on the ground was a way of showing God and showing these people that we expect something. And they sat down to receive the food. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave to the disciples to set them before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now this was a miracle, but it did not come without a strategy. We see the same thing when Jesus turned water into wine in John's Gospel, chapter 2. He told the servants to fill all the water pots with water, and they did. 
When they were done filling these water pots with water, which was no small task, because at least 180 gallons worth of water would have been put in those different pots, he then said, go bear this out to the governor of the feast. It is then and only then that the water was turned into wine. So there was a part that people had to play, but also there was a part that God played. The people part came first. God works in concert with people. So if you are expecting God to supply a need for you, you need to be praying first and foremost, God, what is my strategy? What is my part? This is not the way most of us think. Most of us think, God, what are you going to do? God, where can I find money? God, how is money going to come? How am I going to get what I need? And that's the wrong way to pray. That's not the way that God works. So as I've looked back on my life and I've had to trust God for money, my mission has always been first to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is my role? And can I tell you this? Most of the time, my part is small and insignificant compared to what to God or what God does. God always overwhelms me with what He does. It's always bigger than what I can imagine. But I still have to do my part. David slung a stone. It was a small thing, but it was still necessary. It was a huge part of what went down at the Valley of Elah. So there is no victory without a strategy. Now, sometimes we have a miracle that comes, as in the case of the water being turned to wine and the 5,000 being fed. But other times, and more often than not, especially in this era, we have a grace that comes upon us. In other words, God blesses the thing that we do and He causes it to prosper. Now, this is very clearly stated in Psalm 1. So I want to turn you there, and I want you to see how wisdom was designed to work with financial provision. All right, let's read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor seats, or nor sits in the seat of the scornful. If you're going to be blessed financially, you can't become a cynic. You can't become so jaded by the way people have mishandled money or cheated you that you no longer believe in God's ability to provide. You cannot have bad habits. You can't stand in the pathway of sinners. And you cannot listen to ungodly people. You can't get your money philosophy from the world. How you get it? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The last part of that verse is very important. The meditating person is the one who sees prosperity upon his actions. Why is that? It is because he has meditated before acting. You see, we often tell God, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you bless it. We need to reverse the order. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you're blessing? How is it that you expect me to work? 
What is your direction for this? In other words, I get God's approval on my activity before I ever begin to act. It is when we do this that whatever we do prospers. It is because we took the time to meditate. Meditation is designed to bring about a strategy. It is designed for us to work a process and see the steps that we can take in order to make things happen. And God has a way of provision for every single one of us. doesn't matter who you are. God has a way to provide for you. And He will give you concrete steps. And as you walk and take them, you'll see even more about them. Now, years ago, I had a command by the Lord to launch a kid's TV show. I followed him step by step in getting this done. I do remember that in September of 1982, we launched our first six episodes. They were horrible. They were good with regard to content as far as teaching. They were not interesting visually. They were really a children's church that we recorded in a studio with a kid's studio audience. Now, that did something for me. It taught me that that was not the format that would fly. However, I wound up with some amazing product out of it because the audio portion of this was very good. And it was in a time when kids were used to listening to, as did their parents, cassette tapes. So I had made two sets of those six episodes doing the same thing, doing a children's church with a studio audience, and it gave me a series of lessons, two six-tape lessons that I was able to sell as bedtime stories for kids. It helped to pay our bills. It wasn't long before we stumbled onto a new idea. And that is, we begin to act out stories, teaching kids to watch us. Instead of me talking directly to the camera, I learned how to create stories that kids could follow. And I created characters that kids could relate to that were really like kids who were adults. So my adults had kid-like problems, and I helped them to solve those problems. That was the essence of the Gospel Bill Show. That formula we refined, and it began to work. Now, when we first began to broadcast these episodes, I asked for people to support me, but very little money came in. But I found out there was a demand for cassette tapes. In the beginning, when we first started, there was a war between VHS and Sony Beta. And Sony Beta may have been the better quality, but because they wouldn't license, as I understand it, their product to other manufacturers, they retained exclusive rights to manufacture, but the VHS technology was given to a number of different manufacturers. VHS won the battle. So we began to make VHS cassettes, and the duplication for these dropped in price from over $60 a unit down to less than $5 a unit in about a six-month period back when we started doing the Gospel Bill Show. So I was soon able to send two episodes of the Gospel Bill Show on one 60-minute cassette, and I was able to sell those for a price that we could afford to sell for, and it was very reasonable. That strategy is what gave me the money to keep making 
the free shows that I put on broadcast television across the country. I never got the support. The TV stations didn't give me any support. I had no support whatsoever from maybe a couple of churches to the tune of about $200 a month. But we made the money to do what we did by having a video club. Now, that was the strategy that God gave me. I knew he wanted to give me the money, but I had to find the way to get the money. And it was little by little, learning how God worked and learning his wisdom, I was able to convert that wisdom into financial support. So when you are in a place where you need money, your first thought needs to be, Lord, What do I need to do? What are my steps? Show me, Lord, what I am to do. And then take the time to read the Word and do some meditation. Because when you meditate, you will see what it is that you're supposed to do. And when you do then, whatever you do shall prosper. We'll pick up here next week. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below. And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below are going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.